Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. Where we like to talk about things that are messy, awkward, hard, or controversial and create a space for healing. Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. (laughs) Uh, If you're watching the video, you can see that I pointed to Megan. So if you don't watch our YouTube channel and you only listen on apple podcasts or spotify or whatever i feel like you should watch our youtube videos and see our beautiful faces yeah and all the like expressions we make like when jackie's talking i'm like ew what i know (laughs) what are you talking about you weirdo catholic that's insane yeah well that's what we're going to be doing to each other today because we're doing well i guess it's kind of a similar episode talking about relics Last episode, we talked about icons and veneration of icons. And now we're talking about relics and veneration of relics. Another topic yes. that we disagree on. Originally going to be one episode and then it was just too much. So definitely get way two too much. episodes. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. So I'm not sure if uh, people here know what we mean by relics. If you're Catholic, you yeah, probably maybe. do. I mean, maybe Want not. I wasn't. Us? I wasn't really raised with having relics around or really knowing what relics were until I got more involved at the university that I went to, Franciscan, which is super Catholic. But I'm not sure if just the average Catholic would be very familiar with relics, honestly. Especially body parts of saints. I don't know if they would be as familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Protestants would be familiar uh, mostly at all. So <laughs> what is a relic, Jackie? <laughs> well, if we're talking about just general definition of relic, it's an object surviving from an earlier time, especially one of historical or sentimental interest. But then, in a more specifically Catholic context, maybe Orthodox too. I wouldn't be surprised if Orthodox people, yeah, definitely probably have relics too. Uh, A part of a deceased holy person's body or belongings kept as an object of reverence. So in the Catholic Church, we have the saints, which is different than what Protestants think of when they say saints, usually capital S saints. And saints are people that we honor and pray for their intercession And pray for them to pray for us because we believe that they are in heaven and a part of the body of believers of all of us. They're in heaven and can somehow hear our prayers. And if someone is sanctified in the Catholic Church, we will sometimes have like relics of their body. And there are different classes of relics as well, which I can describe um, there's generally three classes of relics. The first is an actual part of the saint's body. So think of like hair, fingernails. Um, that's what's usually most common from more modern saints, but when their bodies were kept intact. Um, and then saints where their bodies were not, we might just have an entire body part. Like recently, there was a, I think it was St. Jude's hand or leg or I honestly forget but it was going on a tour around the United States um and I prayed in front of this relic um so sometimes it can be an entire body part 
which is interesting. And a second class relic is a piece of the saint's clothing or something used by the saint. Um, so maybe like a pen they use to write or their cloth or something. Um, if you think of one that Protestants might know about is um, uh, an example of a relic might be if we think we have the cloth that like they wiped Jesus's face with in the Bible that left an image of his face. Um, so something like that. And a third class relic, which I have third class relics because I've been in visiting relics and then you touch whatever you have to the first class relic. So then that becomes a third class relic, which I guess I technically have those, like a necklace or something that you, I don't know, you can do that. So some people have, that I know, have actual first class relics of people in their homes. Like hair, you know, usually is what like someone will have. Yeah. How does someone go about being able to have one in their home? I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really understand that. I'm pretty sure they do have to get some kind of permission from like the bishop or something because they have to be make sure they have to make sure that they are treating it reverently and honoring it and not just like throwing it somewhere since it is especially like a first class relic because it is a piece of someone's body and it should be honored. So I think there has to be some kind of special permission to be given that. And I don't know many people. It's usually, honestly, most people I know that have them are priests, which makes sense. Um, or more like prominent Catholic speakers. They somehow get permission. I don't know. Honestly, I, I, know I only personally know priests. And then obviously then like I've seen them in churches. So I couldn't tell you. I could not tell you how people do that i i think it maybe it'd be cool but also i would feel kind of stressed about having it so so i was familiar with i guess what would be first class relics i think most commonly when i thought of it i thought of bones oh yeah um, but until like i moved to chicago and like met you and was in contact with more catholics i wasn't even aware of like second or third class <laughs> relics um i guess maybe maybe second if the cross I, I guess i'd be considered second i guess yes yeah definitely not third though just like touching an object to a relic and then it becoming third so I, i'm curious about that what's the what's the thinking behind that I honestly, it's, I guess it's like if it touches something, it's a way for more people to have something like special. I think it's just a way of like trying to really honor like the body is like, even if something touches it, it's like, oh, you should also um, honor that. Op like you shouldn't just throw something like that away. Um and it's probably also just a way to help the faithful feel like more connected to the relic since they can't have it themselves um, or like to the person that it's representing the relic. So I feel like it's really more of like a visual reminder um, and like something physical to have since the Catholic church, especially is very much about um, 
like sacraments and sacramentals and having these like visual reminders. It also, that kind of goes back to icons as well. Um, so it's kind of, it's something like that. And it, you don't want to be superstitious about it, which we'll get into later. Like the actual object itself has powers, which is what we talked about with um, icons as well. So, I mean, and that can be applied to relics as well, but it's, I think it's just another way to have like this visual reminder and a way like aids to prayer. I, I, I don't honestly like, I think it's really cool, but I, I don't see it as like a super like necessary part of like it is, it's a sacramental, like it's an, it's an optional thing. Um, I do think it's really cool, but I wouldn't over like emphasize something like that. I feel like that almost makes it seem like the object itself is magical in some way. (laughs) Yeah. And that could just be my, my outside perception, but like, oh, like I take like a piece of jewelry and have it touch this relic. And then the jewelry is then somehow a relic. Like the whole process just seems kind of odd to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. It can seem weird. Yeah, I think it's just another another kind of way to have something like physical to like connect. Um, and I think that, yeah, we have to be cautious, which I think that's a big part of like the discussion around relics um, and something that the church has talked about in the catechism as well, which I can get more into when I talk about relics, but really like having a proper use for them and a proper mindset around them because we don't want it to seem like magic. Um, Yeah. That's the difference between like magic is us trying to like force upon something that it has power. And then I feel like sacraments are different than magic because it's, you are just like giving proper like reverence to something that God has allowed to have power. Um, and you don't want to add anything to that so I guess that can be where it can get tricky and making sure that you're not like making it magical or like superstitious what is venerating because we talked about venerating icons in our last episode with like bowing praying in front of um even you know, in some cultures, like kissing or touching, what does venerating relics look like? Does it look similar? Yes, except for you can't really directly kiss <laughs> any of the relics. Um, so that would be the difference there. I think some people might like the glass around it or something, but that's like, that's about as most the most that you could get. Often you can't even like directly touch a relic. You can only touch the glass that's around it. Um, so mostly it's like, doing something like that but you can't directly like an an icon because it's not actually a piece of someone's body or doesn't really need to be protected in the same way um that goes for first class relics second class relics you usually there's more you might be able to touch it more or kiss it because it's an object and not um a piece of someone's body but like when i went to see the relic of saint jude that was traveling around because it was a piece of his body it was like protected in glass and all you could do is you could go up and you could bow before it you could touch the glass you could pray 
but you couldn't directly touch the relic itself. So that's like way more common. And that's the same with like saints bodies. If there's a whole like Padre Pio, his body is displayed. Um, you can't actually touch the body, which makes sense because that would be yeah. weird. And I think would open up way too much for someone to like disrespect or do something weird because people are weird. Um, <laughs> so or even just have it be damaged in some way if you have like hundreds of people. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly because um there are you can see like there are there was this statue of mary that people will go and venerate and they have only one little part of it that you can touch but you can see it's worn down over time yeah. because so many people are touching it <laughs> so that's why they have like you can only touch this one part of it um <clears throat> so that makes sense yeah because if so many people were then it's over time gonna wear down and also they like really they um with relics they handle them with a lot of care and they will preserve them. So it's like you don't want to disrupt or so it normally has to be kept at a certain temperature as well to preserve yeah, the relics that it's not going to rot or especially if it's a bone or like, I don't know, something like that. So and well, to slow down the process because it eventually it will. Um, but yeah, or to prevent someone from stealing it. Um, most relics that are like pieces of hair or whatever that are in like these little like cases they're usually like also within a glass enclosed like cabinet and there's like usually a lot of them but usually it's in a way that they're protected so like in a museum we can't just go touch a mummy yeah. in a museum exactly yeah it's more like it's kept like that like you can pray before it but you can't go like touching it <laughs> which I think uh, makes sense. So that would be why it's different than first class relics are much different than icons. Um, and even sometimes, yeah, like second class relics are protected like, like that as well so that they aren't damaged. So what is the Catholic doctrine or theology surrounding relics? Because like you said, it's a sacrament. It's not necessarily like required or something, but what is the... What is the thinking behind the practice? Um, so it's it's not a sacrament. It's a considered more like a sacramental, which is below the sacraments, which it's just like an aid to your worship. So it's not necessary, but it's something that can help point toward properly worshiping God. Um, so, yes, uh, Catholic teaching on relics. And I'll leave the links to all the sources for this as well. This was from uscatholic.org. Um, to venerate the relics of a saint is a profession of belief in several doctrines of the Catholic faith. So the belief in everlasting life for those who have obediently witnessed to Christ and his holy gospel, uh, the truth of the resurrection of the body for all persons on the last day, the doctrine of the splendor of the human body and the respect which all should show towards the bodies of both living and the deceased, and the belief in the special intercessory power which the saints enjoy in heaven because of their intimate relationship with Christ the King. And the truth of our closeness to the saints, because of our connection to the communion of saints, we as members of the church militant or pilgrim church uh, have, and they are members of the church triumphant. So we see all of us as like a communion of saints, which I think is something that Protestants could relate to that concept as well, that on earth and as heaven as Christians, we're all somehow connected, even if that looks different, but the context is similar. Um, and then... From the Catholic Catechism, so this is paragraph 1674 through 
76 and I'm just going to pick out like parts of it. Um, but besides sacramental liturgy and the sacramentals, catechists must take into account the forms of piety and popular devotions among the faithful. So that's what relics and honoring relics is, is like a type of devotion. Um, the religious sense of the Christian people has always found expression in various forms of piety surrounding the church's sacramental life, such as the veneration of relics and the rosary medals. Those are some other like examples of devotions. Um, and these expressions of piety extend the liturgical life of the church, but do not replace it. That's what I was saying, that we have like the mass in the main sacraments, and this is something that just adds on. They should be drawn up that they harmonize with the liturgical seasons, accord with the sacred liturgy, and are in some way derived from it and lead the people to it, since in fact the liturgy by its very nature is far superior to any of them. So that's once again like putting relics and those devotions in a proper context. And this is something that's in the catechism, so it's addressing, I think, some people's concerns of the abuses of relics and um, the superstitions that can go around them. And this is uh, paragraph 1676, pastoral discernment is needed to sustain and support popular piety and, if necessary, to purify and correct the religious sense which underlies these devotions so that the faithful may advance in knowledge of the mystery of Christ. Their exercise is subject to the care and judgment of the bishops and to the general norms of the church. Um, so that's just kind of noting that like it, it, the church is aware that it's something that it's a devotion and it needs to be um, put in its proper place. And I think um, where we see backing for a place for venerating relics or that relics give any, any power, um, there's two places I wanted to bring up in the Bible. The first is in second Kings when a dead man is brought back to life after being in contact with Elijah's bones. Um, and then in the Acts of Apostles in chapter 19, handkerchiefs or cloths that have been touched by Paul, so that would be a second class relic, were applied to the sick and cured them. Um, and we would see that the early church, we does have a practice of relics and veterining the relics of murals, uh, um, of martyrs. Not murals. Um, and they used little boxes or frames or pieces of jewelry that had a scrap of bone or fabric that had touched a saint. And these were common among the faithful, um, also in the Middle Ages. Um, and then I would say in the early church, we also see um, a quote from St. Jerome. His a quote about relics was, we do not worship, we do not adore for fear that we should bow down to the creature rather than to the creator. But we venerate the relics of the martyrs in order to better adore him whose martyrs they are. Um, and then I have some other sources as well that we can see that there is an argument and a practice of it in the early church. Um, yes. So we would see that there is, um, it supports a lot of our other doctrines that I mentioned first, um, like the respect for the body. It points to our belief that the saints do have power to intercede for us and just our connection with the saints in heaven. And then also um, that there were shown to be ways that God used relics in the Bible to heal. And then we would see examples of both first and second class relics. What are your initial thoughts to that, Megan, as a Protestant? Mm -hmm. 
I think my initial thoughts are I would distinguish the actual relic itself from the practice of relics. And what I mean is like, obviously relics exist. That's not really like what's up for debate, <laughs> you know, um, what is sort of the the core of our disagreement would be the practice of venerating relics. So like the scripture passage you mentioned in Kings, where a man is healed because he comes in contact, contact with Elijah's bones, to me, that doesn't speak to the practice of venerating relics or having relics assist us in our worship because what we don't see in that passage is then they collect Elijah's bones and put them in the church and people go and pray before them. We just see that God used an object for healing. And I think throughout the Bible, that's true that God uses objects to heal. I don't think there's anything, there's no problem with God doing that. What then maybe the source of debate would be is what we do with those objects that God uses. Um, and I think there are a lot of examples in the Bible of God using material things. I mean, Jesus heals a blind person in the Gospels by spitting in the mud and then smearing mud on their eyes. Or in 2 Kings 5, Elisha has Naaman bathe in the Jordan River seven times and his leprosy is healed. But we don't see then people go, oh my gosh, like we should go bottle up water from the Jordan River and put it in our church or bless people with it. It's seen as like, there's nothing with this object in and of itself that caused the healing. It was merely God working through it. And so uh, we don't see a practice in the Bible of then people taking those objects. I think the only maybe scripture that could possibly be used to back that up would be in Acts, which is when the Apostle Paul, or is it Peter? is healing people. Hold on, let me look. Uh, the handkerchiefs and such that were gathered from Paul were healing people. Yes, there was Peter's yes shadow. it was Paul. And, and Peter's shadow. Um, yeah. yeah, the handkerchiefs from Paul. Yeah. And to me, that was an outworking of his apostolic ministry of healing people. We don't see that practice today um the pope doesn't heal people the pope doesn't like give people handkerchiefs to heal them and once the person is healed the handkerchief doesn't go on healing people so i think that was more a, an outworking of paul wanting to heal through his apostolic authority and through the power of the holy spirit and physically he just couldn't get to everyone mm -hmm. so this was a way to do that so I don't see a scriptural basis for the practice of venerating icons. To me, it's evidence Relics. of an accretion in the church. Relics, yes, <laughs> not icons. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, it's evidence of an accretion of the church, that there is this practice early on in the church when the church was persecuted where people were being martyred. And I think it, it makes total sense that if someone close to you who is this like powerful member of your church was brutally killed because of their faith, because they did not denounce the faith, that taking their bones was significant. 
And then I, we, I see that develop through history then to become the practice of then venerating these relics. And by the time we get to the Reformation, we would all agree that the practice itself was very, it was done very poorly. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would say that I think, I think there's like a misunderstanding a lot of times um, that I think what you described in the Bible is very similar to what a proper veneration of relics is. And I think where the mis like, I think with the way that you were talking about the way that we view relics now, the assumption is that we think the power is coming from the object, which I think is not true. I think what the relic actually does is <clears throat> it's a visual way to like see the relic and be with the relic, but to ask for, it's the same as icons. Like it's not coming from the relic itself, but it's coming from this belief that the saints can intercede for us and hear our prayers. So the power is not necessarily like coming from the relic, just in the way that with Paul, the power was not necessarily coming from his handkerchiefs or his cloths, but it was something that God was using. And I think like Paul, it was a way for him to continue, like you said, because he couldn't get to them. I think it's a similar way. It's just the way that the saints in their life, there were a lot of saints that were able to heal and so on and so forth. And some of them were also martyrs. Um, that they could, they can extend that because we believe it come, it extends from our belief that the saints in heaven can still intercede for us and pray for us. And so the relics are just a way for us to visually be reminded of that and like pray before that, but knowing that the power doesn't actually come from the relic itself, but from the intercession of that saint, which then ultimately that power comes from God. Um, so I feel like it's, similar and i i just feel like when we see that in the bible it means that there can be a place for devotion of relics it's not something that's required it's not something like oh god's not going to heal you if you don't go and pray before this relic but going and praying before a relic is an expression and a way of showing of the faith that you have that this person's intercession could heal you so we don't want to just like i said with icons we don't want to be superstitious in that there's something that's actually coming from the object itself, but it's something in a way, just like with the sacraments, we can't assume like, oh, the power is coming only from like this object that we're using like water or oil or anything, but it's the power which God extends um, and has granted that we, that those things can be used. Um, just like I feel like we can see in the Bible that he can use objects so um and i think i mean you have to have like proper it's not like a magical thing where just you touch it and then you're healed it's like oh it has to come with a proper devotion or like prayer um and faith so that god can work through those things so i don't know i think i guess i i just disagree with that it doesn't point to that like there can be a devotion to relics um and I do That's think what I'm saying, though, is the careful. presence of relics in scripture does not necessarily mean that the devotion of relics is proper because we don't see like, for example, the Israelites, when they leave Egypt, they take Joseph's bones with them. They mm -hmm. don't take Joseph's bones with them because they are like attempting to honor him or because like, oh, he was a patriarch. Like we want to like pray to him or whatever. They take his bones with them with just the purpose of we want to bury him in the promised land because that was his wishes mm -hmm. 
I think that were there to be a biblical basis for that practice, that would be a great example of, oh, yes, you know, taking the bones of a, essentially a saint along with them, and yet we don't see them having this devotion. Um, I think that's the issue for me, is that the presence of religious objects does in the Bible doesn't mean that we can then just jump to say, oh, then therefore devotion to them is okay. Yeah. I think I would disagree. I just, I disagree. I think that that practice, and I think that's a disagreement also in how um, doctrines and like things can also like develop with the guidance of the church. So the fact that the Catholic church, like, I think it does make sense coming from the Bible. I think you can see like a basis for it. And then I think that through like under the Catholic church that they've like allowed and guided through apostolic succession, this like proper veneration of them. Um, I think like it does have biblical roots. And then I think it does make sense, especially with um, like, I think the practice just naturally, I see it naturally just kind of coming from what we see in the Bible and then by the guidance of the church and then actually following actual teaching of what the church says you can do with relics, not the abuses and such that have come and people throughout history, which of course we've seen that with like many different things. Um, I think that there is a proper place for them in their proper context. Um especially with like, yeah, like the guidance of the church, allowing those things. Um, so yeah, I think it also like they have to be in their proper place that it's not above the sacraments. Um, it's not above just praying. I don't think it makes like, oh, God is going to heal you because you're praying in front of this relic and he wouldn't heal you otherwise, but it's just another way, um, to add to our prayer another way to like just another form of like devotion like the rosary is it's not necessary um and it's certainly emphasized more in certain cultures and certain churches as you can see at uh, saint john cantius <laughs> um not many churches have that many relics but yeah i think i just disagree um that it means that we can't that wouldn't mean that we can't venerate relics or that it's in anything any way going against what is in scripture um, and that probably also, I think that shows the difference in just the way that we would see the way that doctrines can develop or practices, um, cause I think there's a big difference there in the way that we view that. Yeah. I, I think that's a, an astute understanding of it. Because I think the Reformation shows that the church was not steward stewarding this belief properly because of the teachings of the time, because of how much, um, I mean, there was so like a multitude of relics to the point of it being ridiculous. Like we'd look back and laugh, like saints had apparently three heads because it was like three heads of St. Thomas or something. Um, so it was like clear that there was false relics that were being used to manipulate the laity. Um, there was like so much milk that was apparently from Mary, like breast milk, enough that like a cow couldn't even produce that much, like just ridiculous. Like, obviously this is a fake. Um, and that was something that John Calvin spoke to a lot in the Reformation. And I think it's because of the Reformation that the Catholic Church now 
does have this proper view of no power does not come from these relics. But I think because the Reformation had to happen was proof that this theology wasn't developing properly. It was developing improperly. I, yeah, I don't think that's true because I don't think that you can base what the actual theology was just on like the major abuses, which is the same we would see with like, um, what is the teaching I'm thinking of? It's the main one that everyone taught indulgences. It's the one that everyone brings up in relation to, I think that the promise of apostolic succession is not that there might be misuses. The promise is that the actual teaching of itself is not going to be wrong. Like, and that infallible doctrine will not be wrong. Like, it's not that there's never going to be major abuses or something. I mean, we still see that today. There's still like things that are taken out of context or, and like widely can be misused. Um, but it doesn't mean like, I think it was just the reformation, which I do think in a lot of ways made the Catholic church be like, oh, there's a lot of abuses going on and we need to like rein this back in. But I don't think the teaching itself was ever like corrupted. I think there was an a blatant misuse happening but that doesn't mean the very core of it was ever wrong um and i think in a lot of ways it was like oh yeah we need to shape up and like we need to get back to the core of like what this actually should be um and this needs to like change because there's a lot of, like that was in a lot of things like with indulgences um with yeah there were several things that i think like we talk a lot about like a counter-reformation in the catholic church um, where it was like, we need to get back to what it actually should be because throughout every, like, I, I can see that now that there are certain, like in, within the church, I know that the, what the actual church teaching is, but if you were to just look at Catholics and how they're living and even what some priests without like, who do not have infallibility or any kind of like power like that are telling, or even some bishops are telling Catholics, it's like, oh gosh, like, that's not what the teaching is. That is not what it should be um and there is just a huge like just i mean i don't want to bring up controversial subjects but there's a lot of things with that around marriage right now um the mind i'm gonna get into that into this right now yeah. that's that's a whole thing but like i personally like see like it's certain churches like priests saying things that they shouldn't and like doing things that they shouldn't and it's like that is not the church teaching that is not at all what like but for some reason in this time right now, this is being like taken out of context. And I think that's like a misunderstanding that a lot of Protestants have about like how Catholic doctrine or like how that works or what, what we think like apostolic succession is protecting us from. There was like, we never, and, and no way were we thinking that there was going to be no errors or no misuse of things like in the church because of that. But it's like the core of the teachings are still there. And we at least have like that system and that locus of like, unity there um even if like there's certain other things especially with relics which are like this devotion it's not even a sacramental it's not even like it's a devotion that i think got way out of hand and i think i still see that in like certain parts of catholicism um but yeah i think yeah i just have a different understanding of that in history like the reformation um and also I guess my pushback would be I understand like laity can misuse or misunderstand but 
the fact that speaking out against the practice got you killed and proclaimed a heretic to me shows that that was the teaching of the time. Because why else would there be such a pushback against any sort of disagreement? Yeah, I would say, no, it's not even just the lady. Like I said, my example, like I think, and also just that those times were very violent, awful times, which we wouldn't see that now. Even if you like push back, you're not going to be killed. That was just a time. I don't know why everyone thought they had to behead and kill everyone all the time. I just, (laughs) we're not going to see that now in the United States, at least. Unfortunately, that is happening in some parts of the world. Which to be fair, the reformers were not, like you have Zwingli drowning the Anabaptists like this was just I don't I don't know why yeah we all had to be like this is I yeah um everyone needed to chill (laughs) um now you would just be like it would be just be a Twitter war you would just be like burned at the stake on Twitter I think is what the the thing would be now um yeah so I just I think that's not like a good I I do think like yeah I I mean, but being proclaimed a heretic, so like take out the whole being burned at the stake, but just being called a heretic to mm-hmm, be a heretic, mm-hmm. wouldn't you have to go against teaching? Um, I think we have to look at like, was this who exactly was saying that? And then was this actually like infallible? Like what what with what power were they speaking? Um, and that's where we get into like. Like how apostolic succession actually works. Um, but I think, I mean, the church does have a proper teaching of it now. So I think that it always was, but I still think that it can be abused and we can see that even like popes and such can misuse and abuse church teaching. Um, and I want to say church teaching, but not on an infallible level because we don't think that they can be wrong in that way. Um, but yeah, the I mean, teaching like, on back relics, to, like, relics during the time of devotion, like it's not this like there's not even like a whole par- paragraph in the catechism specifically about like just relics. Like that's how like low down it is. So it's not shocking to me that throughout church history, relics have been misused or abused or like misunderstood because it's such a, it's a devotion. Like it's such a lower like thing. Um, and I do think like church leaders have been in the way like wrong and that they would, I mean, obviously, but they're going to call people heretics. Um, I want to do more like looking into the history of that because um, I I would like to read more in the context of like the whole of what was happening that they called them heretics. But I mean, I've definitely seen times in church history where people have been called heretics by the church and shouldn't have been. There wasn't like a proper like council surrounding it like it made sense when there was a council surrounding like oh the union the hypostatic union of jesus and then those that went went against it because that became a teaching like doctrine dogma infallible that like now i mean all christians believe in that or like the trinity so if you go against that you're called a heretic but honestly them calling people heretics wasn't going by the proper like way of divine revelation it was just them misusing their power because I don't think there was any, like, (laughs) we're going to sit down and talk about this as bishops and the Pope and, like, figure out what the proper thing, no, they were just, yeah, sometimes the church leaders are just bad, and I know Jesus never said that we would be protected from that, unfortunately, unfortunately, because I still see that now, Um, 
would be nice <laughs> would be nice yeah the popes that had like how many wives and how many what concubines and all that um which is now shocking to me when catholics are like pope francis is the antichrist and things are bad and i'm like have you seen some of the older popes that god somehow worked or like the church has been under from like a catholic view if you're catholic and you think like god is protecting on our apostolic succession i'm like um <laughs> this isn't new that there's something you might disagree with but anyway that's also a whole other thing that i could go on megan was there anything else in the that you wanted one to thing i wanted to bring up was um i was reading a writing from athanasius who is a church father writing on saint anthony's view of relics um and he said anthony often urged the bishops to give what'd you say which saint anthony do you know i can link um yeah i'm gonna look this is athanasius the great on the life of saint anthony paragraph 90 okay but yeah so he taught the lady saying that this thing was neither lawful nor holy at all, for the bodies of the patriarchs and prophets are until now preserved in tombs, and the very body of the Lord was laid in a tomb, and a stone laid upon it and hid until he rose on the third day. And thus saying, he showed that they, he who did not bury the bodies of the dead after death transgressed the law, even though they were sacred, for what is greater or more sacred than the body of the Lord? Many therefore have heard henceforth buried the dead underground and gave thanks to the Lord that they had been taught rightly." So I think it's definitely a conversation to be had on whether or not displaying relics is um, properly honoring a human body. Um, I just think when you think of the saints, like the people whose bodies are being displayed, were they alive? Would they be comfortable with that? And I just think that most of them would not. Um, so it gives... It, I, I don't think it's like a, a slam dunk gotcha argument, but it gives me pause um, if if this is actually properly taking care of our bodies, which are given to us by God, and we understand death being something that should not be taking place, and it is a separation of the soul and body, which was never meant to be. So that soul has departed and was with the Lord, and so how do we treat their body? Um I believe we are to bury their body. We are not to keep it and display it and pray before it. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of a thought I had. Yeah, I definitely get having pause with that. Um, but I think that if the body is reverenced well, which is why it's like, it needs to be like, there's a lot around relics and like permission that we can have these relics and how we can properly respect their body. Um, and I guess I would disagree with that. I think saints if God wants to be able to use like objects and such as a way of a reminder or some way in which to connect with us and to connect us to those in heaven, then I think that that's fine. I think you just need to be properly like taking care of those relics. And that's why most churches have um, possession of them and why they are protected and why they're, um, why they are like, there's a lot around a body and, um, like not just anyone can have permission to have it or why they're, they are really protected. There are certain bodies that are, it's like locked under a church somewhere. And like, it's, yeah, there's a lot of protection around them. Um, so I think there is a lot around trying to really honor the body 
it's interesting because our view of it is actually like the reason that we would honor relics or why we would see the value in honoring their body is against Manichaeans who saw the body as bad, like a direct difference between the soul, which we both would disagree with, that obviously the body is good. Um, I have a quote from, it's actually really funny. Um, and this is actually from an anti-Catholic historian, Adolf Arnak writes, which I found this on, I'll leave the source, um, but he said, no church doctor of repute restricted it. All of them rather, even the Cappadocians countenance it. The numerous miracles which were wrought by bones and relics seemed to confirm their worship. The church therefore would not give up the practice, although a violent attack was made upon it by a few cultured heathens and besides by the Manichaeans, which I thought the cultured heathens was not fun. Um, but yeah, just like a different view of it being um, that it actually is a way to go against the Manichaeans that like, oh, the body is bad and or more a more like Gnostic view. Um, there also was a quote. This was an account of Polycarp's martyrdom written by this, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, Sumerian in AD 156. And it, the Christians described the events following his burning at the stake. He took up his bones, which are more value, valuable than precious stones, and finer than refined gold and laid them in a suitable place where the Lord will permit us to gather ourselves together as we are able in gladness and joy and to celebrate the birthday of his martyrdom. Which I will say in that, um, you see it more as like, oh, they're gathering to honor the person with the bones and to have the bones. Um, and there's no like assumption that God will use it to heal them. But I really don't think there like should be that assumption when we're going to pray before bones and such. I think that's where the danger comes in is like, oh, if I go to this, like God will do this for me or will heal me. Um, absolutely. Like he will. And like, that. so this is what I have to do to go be healed, which that would be nice if you were guaranteed that you would be healed, but that's not. Um, but just like, yeah, throughout history, I, th I think there is definitely a discussion to be had um, about the proper way to venerate bodies. Um, and I do think there, is, there was disagreement, as you can see from the quotes of like, what was the proper way to do that? Um, yeah, I'm happy that the church has come to a place where I feel like it's much more respectful and that there's not so much an abuse of them. I think, yeah, like three heads of the same. <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. But, uh, yeah, saints had multiple limbs. <laughs> uh, well, you know, maybe they just grew extra ones. You never know. Yeah. They were that I, I don't think they would grow extra heads, though, if they were going to grow extra limbs. I don't think that's a... Uh, that's probably not what one was a, a a sword and shield that apparently belonged to um, the archangel Michael when he was oh, fighting saw, yeah. the yeah, yeah, yeah. devil. Like, even think? though they are both disembodied, <laughs> that's where I'm like, what did you like? Did you just like the like, God? Like, what did you think about that one? Like, uh. I think, yeah. too, it's something that, like, just could not happen in the modern age with the internet, because, like, I think only in a time when you couldn't, like, contact someone across the world and be like, wait, you have the saint's head, too? That doesn't make sense. It was, like, it just wouldn't be something that could happen now, <laughs> which is good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
or that you would really think like somehow we have the sword and shield. <laughs> or that you would, yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah, there's just a lot that we didn't, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. I need to do more reading on that. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, I don't know how people believe that, but I have to understand it was a different, you know? <laughs> yeah. Different time, different context, and yeah, I think the internet has benefited us a lot. But I do think there, I will say, even as someone that I believe that relics are fine and venerating relics, I am someone that's like a lot more cautious and like I like to remember what is important. And those are add ons. Like, I don't need to have relics. I don't need to play the four relics. I think they're great. I think it's a way, which at St. John Cantus, they bring them out for the communion of saints. Because I think it's a great reminder that we have the saints with us and that they are interceding for us. But I think they need to be put in their proper place. And um, it's not nearly ever as powerful as like the sacraments or scripture or like it's not important. It's important at all. <laughs> so. I do think they need to be put in their proper place. I think they're a nice devotion to have if you want, but yeah, which I think we talked about that with icons as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That would be my personal thought, which I think should be everyone's thought on that. But <laughs> Everyone should be like Jackie. Jackie is completely right. <laughs> yeah. If I ever get a relic one day, Megan, don't worry, I'll bring it over. <laughs> I'll be like, okay. Um, You'll be here. like, pray, Megan. Come on, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Funny story. I like put it there. I don't tell you it's there. And then we like say a prayer and I'm like, yeah, Megan, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> right before a relic. Gotcha. Not like your intention or knowledge of it would have anything to do with if you actually prayed, you know. Doesn't it doesn't matter at all. At all. <laughs> no. Um, a funny thing about St. Therese, who we have talked about on this channel before, but she's a saint, but she's also a doctor of the church, one of the four women doctors of the church um the youngest mm. of them all the most modern i'm pretty sure she um queen when she was there's a lot of relics of her first of all because she was a modern saint um so it's like a lot of like her fingernails but also because she when she was alive was like if i become a saint and because i believe so much in the mercy of god and like my trust in him he will make me a saint that was my whole theology it's like god sees our weakness and works in that and that it's not from our own power that we are made great or like go to heaven which i think is like a beautiful theology but she actually like cut off her hair it's like here just because god's gonna make so she um yeah so i think i'm gonna do that i'll give you some the next time i come up in Jackie's will, it's like, and leave the, these locks of hair to Megan. <laughs> Just to Megan, not my Catholic friends. To <laughs> Megan. They're going to be like, this is weird. This is really weird. Um, I'll keep them because she asked, but also why? <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, let us know your thoughts on relics. Yeah. Or if you've had any personal experiences with them. Apparently, I know people mm -hmm. that have had healings connected to relics um i don't know anyone firsthand and i'm also always very cautious of people saying that so yeah if you yeah yourself, let us know it so that we can judge you <laughs> we want to hear if we can tell you if it was real or not yeah yeah <laughs> <We're> like fake <laughs> <laughs> 
just kidding um yeah I, I wish god would do that for me heal me in all ways just by praying in front of a relic that would be yeah. really nice just zap if he did that for me then i could show megan that she's wrong man really jackie really needs some backup here <laughs> i need some backup here megan is not believing me so i'm gonna need it's been years of trying <laughs> years i actually think at this point yeah we have been friends for years so it has been years of trying so yeah i gotta start doing it's that more often I'm pretty sure God would tricks. be like, this is not the proper place, like mindset to have when you're coming to pray for healing is like, I need to prove Megan okay. yeah. <laughs> Just for that, no. <laughs> well, anyway, let us know what you want to talk about next. I'm not sure if we even know which next thing we're going to argue about. We thought about doing an episode on the mass. So if that sounds interesting, I actually think that would be a great, I think that would be good for me. That would be educational for yeah. me <laughs> to read more about each part of the mass. Because there is a reason and meaning to every part of it. So I think that, that would Maybe be Maybe I should come to Chicago and we could actually go to Mass and then record an episode after. Mm-hmm. And bring Cece. I wonder how Cece would do Yeah, she'd mass. do great. <laughs> Not well, let me tell you. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, guys, yeah. Until next time. Go out there and talk to someone about relics. Do it. I dare you. Yeah, they won't think you're weird at all. They will not think you're weird. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.